Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you caring for an aging parent? Are you searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you, providing information, education, and resources, helping you become the best caregiver you can be. I'm your host, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, President of Senior Care Consulting. Thanks so much for tuning in today. You are appreciated. Senior Care Live is the nation's premier radio program where we provide information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. This is a safe place to get accurate and reliable information you can absolutely count on. Each and every week, we discuss important issues such as how to remain independent in your own home, how to find the right senior care community, how to pay for the high cost of senior care, and legal issues involving elder law and estate planning. We also discuss senior-related health issues and how to care for the caregiver. As always, if you have a question, you can reach us on our toll-free number anytime. It's one 800 331 6445 1-800-331-6445. You can also visit online. It's a great website, Senior Care Live, L-I-V-E, Senior Care Live. Com. All right, we have a really, really good program for you here today. It is packed with fantastic information. My guests today are Dr. Alan Greiner and Angela Williams. Dr. Greiner is a professor in and vice chair of the Department of Family Medicine at the University of Kansas School of Medicine. He's also the medical officer for the Wyandotte County Health Department, director of the Frontiers Community Engagement Program, and the medical director of the Kansas Patients and Providers Engaged in Prevention Research Practice-Based Research Network. Wow, Dr. Greiner, that's that's a lot. <laughs> uh, Ms. Williams is the Community Health Educator for the Masonic Cancer Alliance, which is the outreach network of the University of Kansas Cancer Center. And in recognition of Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, uh, we're talking today about colorectal cancer and the work the Masonic Cancer Alliance does to raise awareness around 
colorectal cancer. And and for our listeners, before we jump in here, we're going to have a lot of great information. also want to let you know, Dr. Greiner has very generously offered some more of his time. He's going to hang on with us into the third segment uh, to talk about some current information about COVID-19. You're definitely going to want to uh, uh, stay tuned and listen into that as well. But let's get started here. Dr. Greiner, can you give us a quick overview on colorectal cancer? Sure, Steve. Um, colorectal cancer is the second leading cause of cancer death if you combine uh, men and women in the United States. It's also a highly preventable and a cancer and a cancer that we can detect early with screening. This month, the month of March, is Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month, and we're always out trying to promote colon cancer screening tests. Uh, average risk adults over the age of 50 in the United States should all be receiving colon cancer screening tests on a regular basis. There are multiple tests that, that folks can can do to uh, get colon cancer screening, and we encourage everyone to talk to their health care providers about that if they're over the age of 50. Okay, and I am, so <laughs> so you, you get my attention here. So, uh, But I, I love the part where you said that it's also – it can be found very early, and it can also be uh, handled if, if you do catch it early. So that, I think that's uh, the, the great news there. Uh, what are some of the most common symptoms of colorectal cancer? So common symptoms can include things like blood in your stools, uh, a change in your, in your bowel habits, either a, a new onset or sudden onset of constipation or sudden onset of stools that are thinner in size and shape. It can also start with, with um, pain in the abdomen or, or sudden weight loss. Unfortunately, many of those symptoms can happen fairly late in, in the onset of colon or rectal cancer. So that's why the screening and early detection is so important. Okay. And is colorectal cancer something that mainly affects older individuals? That's right. It does increase. The incidence of colorectal cancer increases with age. So as people get older, they're at, they're at higher risk for the development of the disease. That's why we wait to, to recommend screening for folks over the age of 50. In fact, there are some organizations like the American Cancer Society that's now recommending colon cancer screening starting at the age of, of 45. But it, it's more common in, in older adults. So it's important to get those screening tests on a regular basis as you get older. Okay, and and my wife is uh, you know in her mid forties, but she has some family genetics, and so they they recommended they've already been starting to screen her. You know, late thirties, you know, early forty. Mm-hmm. If people have a, a positive family history for someone in the in the family that's had colon cancer at a, at a younger age, especially if somebody's had it prior to the age of sixty years of age then we recommend folks start getting screening tests earlier. And for, for those kind of folks that are at higher risk because of that family history, they should probably be getting colonoscopies as their screening test. There, there are homeschool-based screening tests like fecal immunochemical testing as well as fecal DNA testing that people can do with home kits. Mm-hmm. But the colonoscopy tests, we think, are a little bit more sensitive and specific for those people who have the family history. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. She had her first one, not happy about it, but she did it uh, at age 35, so. Yeah, so. Yeah, no, and that's totally appropriate. Okay, all right, perfect, perfect. So what are the risk factors for colorectal cancer? 
Risk factors uh, include the things like family history, which we've already talked about. Yeah. But the, the incidence is also increased in those who are smokers, um, those who uh, drink uh, excessive alcohol, individuals uh, who have um, poor diet or um, don't get enough regular exercise, and, and individuals that are overweight and obese. So all those folks are at increased risk of colorectal cancer. Angela, I understand that you do a lot of work as a community health educator at the Masonic Cancer Alliance to raise awareness around colorectal cancer. Can you share some of that work with us, please? Yeah, sure. I identify key community organizations that engage uh, primarily African-American communities at large where I conduct health-focused outreach on colorectal cancer. A lot of times I contact leadership in community-based organizations in the urban core of both Kansas City, Missouri and Kansas City, Kansas to set up meetings to introduce myself. From there, I kind of explain our objectives, which is to increase knowledge and participation in prevention and screening. I also provide PowerPoint presentations on colorectal cancer as well as conduct pre- and post-test surveys with community members to assess how much information they know before and after my presentation. For those that will allow, I will call and follow up in three months to see if they receive their screenings. I am often invited to participate in health fairs where I provide resource tables on colorectal cancer that provides information on the importance of screening, risk factors, and symptoms. A lot of times these events are sometimes in collaboration with community health centers as well as faith-based organizations. Okay, excellent, excellent. And as a community health educator, one of your goals is to help empower communities to change behaviors, which I think is fantastic. So what kind of behaviors are you hoping to change with the work that you're currently doing? Well, my goal is to try to influence behavior change as it pertains to cancer screening for early detection. I hope that after receiving education on colorectal cancer that Community members will, one, start taking, excuse me, start talking with their healthcare providers about colorectal cancer screening, get screened for colorectal cancer, and have a better understanding of their screening options, as well as talk about colorectal cancer with their family members and friends. Okay. All right. Excellent. That That's fantastic work. Keep up the great work. And Dr. Greiner, uh, what are the recommended screening guidelines for colorectal cancer? We have a, about a minute and a half left on this segment. So, again, um, individuals over the age of 50, by most guidelines, and then American Cancer Society guidelines over the age of 45, it's recommended that those adults, if they do not have a strong family history of colorectal cancer, should get screened. Um, Depending on which testing they're doing, the the regiments and the, the time frame is different. So if people are getting colonoscopies, those are generally done every 10 years for screening. If people are doing fecal immunochemical testing, that's actually an annual test they should do every year through their healthcare provider. Or if they're doing fecal DNA, home stool screening, that's a test that is done every three years. And again, they can arrange that through their uh, healthcare provider. Man, you're getting my attention because. Um I'm overdue for my colonoscopy. I kind of drag my feet a little bit, probably like everyone else. I'm I'm not going to though, <laughs> so I'm I'm going to see. I'm going to have my annual checkup with my physician uh, here in a, in a couple of weeks, and then he's going to yell at me. He's like, "Hey, when are you going to get that?" And I'm like, "Okay, yes, sir. Uh, write the order, and I'm going to go do it." So, <laughs> but yeah. I, I didn't know it with the, with the home test and that sort of thing. You can do some of those as as as. Uh, 
often is annually. Yeah, the, the fecal immunochemical test looks for traces of blood that many times you can't see in your stool, and, and you do that one every single year to, to try to see if there's any of that present. All right. We're visiting with Dr. Alan Greiner and Angela Williams. It's just fantastic information uh, during Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month. We're going to have more information about that right after the break. But first, the Senior Care Live question of the week. Which of the following factors does not increase an individual's risk of colorectal cancer? A. Alcohol. B. Cigarette smoking. C. Age. D. Aspirin use. Or E. Obesity. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, you can stream this program to any electronic device. Super simple. Just go to SeniorCareLive.com. Click on the big microphone right there on the home page or the Listen Live button. Give it a few seconds to connect, and then you are in. It'll start streaming to your phone, your computer, your tablet, whatever you have. And it really is that simple. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. This is a good one. Which of the following factors does not increase an individual's risk of colorectal cancer? And here are your options. A, alcohol. B, cigarette smoking. C, age. D, aspirin use. Or E, obesity. And the answer is... D, aspirin use. And as as Dr. Greiner had mentioned before, he covered all of those other factors as a risk factor. So uh, this is really, really important stuff. We're focusing on Colorectal Cancer Awareness Month today with Dr. Alan Greiner and Angela Williams. It's just great, great information. It's getting my attention, I'll tell you that. Uh, So, uh, um, and and also, again, for our listeners, uh, we're going to extend into the third segment and talk about COVID-19. I have some, I think, some relatively unique and important questions to ask about that. So uh, we're, we're going to cover that in the third segment. But Dr. Greiner, the Masonic Cancer Alliance offers free cancer screenings uh, all across Kansas throughout the year. So do these screenings involve colorectal cancer? They do. In, in fact, the last couple of years, we've received uh, support from the National Cancer Institute to offer free fecal immunochemical testing kits to attendees at, at those health fair events that are age-eligible eligible for screening and, and request those tests. We actually process them through the, uh, the University of Kansas Health System in Kansas City, so it's a partnership between uh, our health system and the Masonic Cancer Alliance to provide 
those colorectal screening tests. We coordinate with the patients and then also coordinate with their doctors. Many of those health fairs are actually held in small towns across Kansas in partnership with local Masons groups in Kansas. That is fantastic. Now, in general, do you need a doctor's order for one of these, uh, one of these testing kits? You generally do. That's right. You generally need a physician's order to uh, do either of the stool-based home screen tests or or a colonoscopy. It's something that you, you need to coordinate with with your healthcare provider or healthcare facility to get that order. Okay. All right. And Dr. Griner, you've done a lot of research related to colorectal cancer. Can you share some of your most recent research findings with us today? Sure. Um, one of the things we found is if, if people really do communicate with their healthcare providers closely on, on what their test preferences would be, uh, they're, they're really more likely to fall through and complete a colon cancer screening test. We've, we've done projects where we af- actually offered colonoscopies to uninsured patients and, and paid for the cost of those colonoscopies. But many patients don't actually prefer that, and, and some would actually prefer to do the home stool test which we know from the scientific evidence, those tests save lives from colon cancer just like the colonoscopies do. So we always encourage people to talk to their providers. The other thing we encourage people to do is is set some simple goals or or write some things down on your calendar. If you know that that you're going to need another test, whether you're on the one-year, three-year, or ten-year time frame for your testing, writing those things down or, or setting some goals to make sure you keep up with, with this service just like you would with, say, an annual flu shot, that can be really important in helping you remember and, and get that testing done. Okay, and how accurate, obviously a colonoscopy, I mean, the, the, the physician is physically looking into your body and taking samples if needed. How accurate are these home tests? We, th- we think they're very accurate. Um, there's There are some cases where where they may not be quite as sensitive as a colonoscopy, but again, because you're doing them more often, you have more overall chances to, to pick up an early cancer uh, and then do something about it. Uh, all these tests have been studied in large, large uh, studies to determine how much they, they decrease mortality from colon cancer, and they all decrease mortality in a significant way in, in large groups of people. So, again, we, we encourage people to just find the one that's right for you, talk with your health care provider about that, uh, especially if you're in that 45- to 50-year range. Start preparing and, and then get that going either right when you turn 45 or right when you turn 50. Well, this has my attention. I will be discussing this with my doctor uh, at my annual uh, checkup here towards the end of the month here. So, uh, Angela, how does diet increase or decrease risk factors for colorectal cancer? Well, there are several lifestyle factors that can increase, um, like we discussed earlier, lack of regular physical activity, diets that's low in fruit and vegetables, low fiber, high-fat diet, being overweight or obese alcohol consumption, as well as tobacco use, as well as there's lifestyle change that can decrease your colorectal cancer risk, which would also mean diet, high in fruit and vegetables, regular physical activity, and no smoking and tobacco use. And Steve, I, I don't know if you've touched on this in, in prior episodes, but we recommend that, that individuals try to consume five, at least five servings of fresh fruits and vegetables every day. 
So most of us five servings getting there. So that's something for people to to do to lower their risk. If they do that, if they're eating those five servings, they're going to be getting a lot more fiber in the diet. But other things, some some patients are going to need fiber supplements. We really encourage that high fiber diet, as Angela mentioned, to reduce colon cancer risk. And then also avoiding uh, processed meats or red meats has been shown to, to lower your risk of colorectal cancer as well. So what are some fiber substitutes? So I usually recommend to patients just, just getting generic fiber capsules okay. that you can get at any drugstore or, or at a, a Walmart or Costco. Those generic uh, fiber capsules are really well tolerated. Uh, a lot of times they'll, they'll help prevent problems like, like constipation, and, and sometimes they can even help prevent uh, diarrhea or, or loose stools. Fiber just is really good for your gastrointestinal system. So getting those fruits and vegetables at, at high numbers and, and considering a supplement, if you can't get it some other way, is something we recommend. Excellent, excellent. We only have about 30 seconds left. So what are some reliable resources for finding out more information about colorectal cancer? So a lot of the national organizations that, that work on cancer have great resources and specific pages on colorectal cancer. The National Cancer Institute is one very well-respected organization. The American Cancer Society, as I mentioned earlier, is another great organization. And we even have information on our Masonic uh, Cancer Alliance webpage where you can find information to to hit back on some of these facts we've talked about today as well as additional research that, that might help to lower your risk. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Just want to remind our listeners that they can find out more about the Masonic Cancer Alliance by visiting MasonicCancerAlliance.org. If you want to learn more about the Masonic Cancer Alliance's free cancer screenings, uh, this is the phone number to call 913-588-4719. Dr. Greiner and Angela Williams, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate both of you. Thank you. All right. And for our listeners, hang on. Dr. Greiner is going to come right back with me. We're going to talk a little bit about COVID-19. Don't go away. You're going to want to hear this information. We'll be right back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to reach us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. And don't forget, if you miss an episode of Senior Care Live, maybe you want to share the program with friends or family, or maybe you just want to go back and listen again, I think you're going to want to do that with this one for sure. You can just It's so simple. Go to Senior Care Live. Dot com. You can click on the podcast tab, and that's where you'll find all of the previously aired episodes. 
You can find the one that you want. Uh, click that again. Give it a few seconds to connect, and uh, uh, and you can you can stream that to any of your devices. And uh, thousands of people per month do that. So feel free to help yourself. All right. So we're back for a special bonus segment with Dr. Alan Greiner. And and Dr. Greiner, thanks so much for being very generous with your time uh, in staying over for some really important questions. These are just questions that are kind of heavy on my mind. Uh, and you are an expert. You're all over. The, the the media these days. I, I've heard you on the radio. You have te- televised press conferences. So we really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and expertise with us today. Sure. All right. And, and the other thing is I want to let our listeners know, normally uh, Dr. Greiner and Angela would have been in the studio, but we are being responsible. We're, we're practicing social distancing, so that's uh, why we're on the phone here today. So uh, I think that's great. So, Dr. Greiner, let's go ahead and jump in here. Uh, here's my first question that's kind of bugging me. We don't take all of these drastic measures for the flu, just influenza A and B, and it kills tens of thousands of Americans each and every single year. So why is this different? So this new virus, this coronavirus or, or COVID-19 virus, is unique in that it's not what we would call an endemic viral condition. So influenza A and B are, are endemic because they occur across the globe every single year. Um, and they're, because they occur every single year, we really can't practice some of the drastic measures we're seeing now, or, or we, we have shutdowns occurring every single winter, yeah. really, in, in, in every major country across the world. In addition, we think from the, the, the data we have, and the data is changing all the time as we get more information from other countries like China, South Korea, Japan, and Italy, we think that this particular strain of the virus, which is a novel strain of of coronavirus is significantly more lethal than the seasonal uh, influenza A or B. We, we don't know exactly what those rates are going to be until we've seen d- more data in the United States, but, but we think that, uh, that especially amongst older adults, this, this virus can, can lead to major problems and, and even death more frequently than, than the flu. Okay. Uh- now, we why didn't we do all of this with the H1N1 pandemic that was in 09, 010, I believe, and then SARS, which was, what, 02, 2002, 2003, something like that. Uh, so why didn't we do all of this with those two pandemics? Are, are we getting smarter about how to handle these things, or are we overreacting? I, I really think we're getting smarter. I do not think we're overreacting. Okay. I, I think that we actually learned some things from other countries in the world that were more heavily affected by the H1N1 influenza virus or or the SARS virus um, less than 10 years ago. Some countries actually enacted some of the same measures you're seeing enacted currently in cities and states across the United States right now. For coronavirus. So, for example, in, in Mexico in 2009, they implemented some of these same quarantine and social distancing um, strategies and policies, and they were really able to make a big difference in cutting down H1N1 transmission and reducing the number of deaths they ended up seeing from that disease. And I think we've learned a lot from that. 
and we're we're trying not to have this virus become uh, something that is spread wildly across the population because again we we know that it's likely we would see an awful lot of severe illnesses, deaths, and and maybe not even have the healthcare capacity to take care of of all the really sick patients we would see if we don't if we don't do some some intensive work now. Okay. Uh, how contagious is this stuff, and how does that compare with some of these other viruses? Again, we don't we don't know everything. We're getting more and more information every day on on the, the spread and and the amount of susceptibility that different groups have for the virus. We, we think it's pretty easily spread. We think it's droplet spread, which means that that people who sneeze or cough that they, when they produce little tiny droplets of, of saliva, that um, can land on surfaces or can get on their hands, and then that's generally how it spreads to others. We don't think it, it actually floats through the air. Um, that's good. <laughs> so there, there are some viruses that are probably more contagious, uh, like measles and chickenpox. We have vaccines for those viruses nowadays, and and for, for some of your older audience, they might remember days before we had an effective measles vaccine. Yep. And almost everybody got it because that particular infection floats through the air a little bit more than, than what we're seeing with the droplets and, and this coronavirus. But it's extremely important for people to be careful, again, especially older adults, so that they reduce their risk and, and stay away from anyone who, who might be infected, even even folks who might be infected that aren't having any symptoms at all. Well, that was my next question. Why are some people asymptomatic? Yeah, and I don't know that we know the answer to that question right now. Um, we we think that, that many children who get this virus are, are asymptomatic or have minimal symptoms, uh, but for some reason, in, in older adults, they tend to have more severe symptoms and, and sometimes really significant respiratory and pulmonary problems. Uh, we'll, as we learn more about the virus, we'll probably understand why that is. Um, but, again, we, we want the people who are most vulnerable to really protect themselves and, and do the things that they can, like staying home, like frequently washing your hands, not touching, touching your hands, your face, uh, mouth, eyes, nose, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and, and if people have chronic illnesses, too, it may put them at even higher risk. So people with heart disease, diabetes, um, emphysema, or, or people who are smokers, they may be at even higher risk, too. So we want to encourage them to, to stay away from others, and stay out of crowds, and, and really protect yourself with, with good hygiene. Okay, and it's just really interesting. It doesn't seem to be impacting children, where the normal flu virus uh, really impacts the kids. So the really young population and then the elderly, uh, this one just seems to be focusing on the elderly with underlying health issues. And, and that sure does make it a lot different than uh, the, the normal influenza. Uh, is there, I, I, this is probably a little a little early, but is there a cure for COVID-19? You, you keep hearing about, uh, you know, there, there's a, a phase one testing that, that was approved and developed in 65 days, which is a record by a long shot. So uh, any, any information about a cure or uh, anything in, in, that, uh, in that category? We, we really don't have much information yet. There, there actually are already some, some studies underway looking at, at vaccines and medications, antivirals, that, that might be effective 
in, in treating the condition, but those those early studies are going to take quite a while. We've, we've heard that it'll probably be 12 to 18 months before we know anything about the possibility of a vaccine okay. uh, for COVID-19. It's really important to, to assure the safety of new treatments and vaccines. Yeah, so yeah. those things that will be will be tested rigorously through a whole step stepwise safety um, okay. series of studies. And I'm all about uh, reducing the panic and just having solid information. If someone is listening to this and they're having some symptoms and they're becoming very concerned, uh, what is the criteria for being tested and, and when should they reach out to their physician? So we really recommend people do reach out to their physicians if they have any of the symptoms of COVID-19. And that the most common symptoms are fever and cough. But if a, if a person feels ill and is having a runny nose, sore throat, or breathing problems that seem to be related to some kind of upper respiratory infection or cold, we really encourage folks to, to check in with their healthcare providers on that. Right now, the, the testing criteria that most states in the United States are using are for individuals, certainly individuals that have traveled to high incidence areas yep. in countries like like China, South Korea, Italy, individuals that have been to some of the cities in the United States recently that have had high incidents like Seattle, San Francisco, or New York. If, if an individual has traveled to any of those places and has any of the symptoms I mentioned, especially fever and cough, they would, would probably be eligible for testing and, and should call their health care providers. We are encouraging people who become ill to not necessarily go straight into the doctor's office, but to make the phone call at first before you go in, because then your your healthcare provider's office can make arrangements to get you situated in, in your own private room and, and do your testing if you are eligible in that kind of setting. In fact, some some healthcare facilities have set up drive-through testing yep. so that that a patient who might have symptoms won't expose other patients, say, in a waiting room of a, of a physician's office, that kind of thing. If, of course, if you have an emergency and you, you really think it's an emergent issue, say, with a breathing problem or, or a high fever, we encourage people to call 911 or go straight to an emergency room okay. for those kind of emergencies. All right. Dr. Greiner, thank you so much for staying on and, and spend a little extra time with us. I really, really appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate you as well. Thank you very much. Thank you, Steve. All right. We'll have more right after the break. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, call now, toll-free, 1-800-331-6445. Operators are standing by, 1-800-331-6445. I'll be right back. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information about the services offered on this program and how we can help you and your family, be sure to call us on our toll-free number anytime. That's 1-800-331-6445. 1-800-331-6445. Just want to say thanks again to Dr. Alan Greiner for spending a little extra time. Uh, I mean, he is all over the place. First of all, he is 
unbelievably busy in his normal life. And then you throw all of this COVID-19 stuff in the mix. And he has been doing press conferences with mayors and he's been on the radio and all over the place, almost omnipresent. I've heard him uh, speak and I've heard his voice a a lot and have heard him quoted. So uh, I just really, really want to say thanks again uh, to Dr. Alan Greiner for spending some extra time with us uh, here today and answering all of the questions that I have. Had, you know, really weighing pretty heavily on my mind. So, uh, in this last segment, uh, you know, I just want to, uh, I just want to make a call for calm. I, I just want to make a call call for calm, and let's try to improve our our little corners of the world. So, I just want to encourage everyone: check on your neighbors. If an elderly person is staying at home to reduce their risk and they're practicing social distancing and they're they're holding up and, and they're not going to put themselves at risk, guess what? They need your help. And so ask what you can do to help your neighbor or a family member or, you know, your community help your community. I see so many people saying, you know, we, we canceled our family vacation and we're not panicking. We're not hoarding, <laughs> you know. And in fact, I went down and I donated blood uh, during, during this time. And I'm going to look for other opportunities to help my community. That is such a good thing to do. I can't even overemphasize that. So, you know, take, take them what they need, pick up their medications, deliver food items and grocery items to them. Just be very aware and offer your neighbors and family in your community your help if you're able to do that. And since residents in all senior care communities are now under a strict quarantine, and that's that's just incredible, but you know, they're definitely the uh, the group of a population who is clearly the highest at risk, and we need to protect them. So they're under currently, and I don't know how long this is going to last, but they're under a strict quarantine, and they can't even be visited by their own family members. And this is bad, okay? So uh, I would ask you, if you have it in your heart, if you have time, I, I would ask you to send cards to elderly residents in a local assisted living community or a local long-term care community, a local nursing home. And, and let's get creative with this. You know, your kids can your kids are home. <laughs> They're going to be home for a while. So your kids can draw pictures. They can find other creative ways uh, to reach out to the elderly uh, in local senior care communities and just let them know that they are loved and that you care about them. I really think that is critically important right now. And that's just one way that you can reach out and help your community and and make your part of the world a better place, literally. So, uh, speaking of this, the, you know, the quarantine and the, these facilities are locked down right now. You know, earlier in the week, I was able uh, to to work with the family. You know, their mother is in the hospital, and uh, she has a very difficult, uh, you know, new diagnosis and a very difficult prognosis and she needs to move uh, you know, she needed to move at that point immediately to a long-term care community where she could get care and uh, so uh, fortunately earlier in the week uh, we were uh, we were actually able to enter the facility uh, 
and we were of course limited to the front lobby. Uh, of course, we had to, you know, use the hand sanitizer on our hands. I've never washed my hands so much, <laughs> by the way. I think that's a really good thing that's coming out of this. But uh, uh, we had to do the hand sanitizer. They took our temperature because if it was over 100 degrees, uh, you were out immediately because that's one of the main symptoms is the, is the, the fever. Uh, but uh, and for, and none of us had a temperature, of course. Uh, it, uh, well, not of course, but we didn't. And then we had to answer questions. And, and we, all, we were all cleared and okay, and we were able to, uh, to at least speak with a facility representative. Uh, and I've, I asked them to take pictures of all of the different things that you would want to see. Because just think about this. The, the family cannot see the facility and they're going to send their very ill mother there to receive care. That's that's a big leap of trust. That that's a tough one. Okay, so I've asked facilities to take pictures of all the different areas and all the different things that we would normally see. I've asked them to be creative, grab an iPad and walk around the facility and do a tour like you always would, and just narrate the thing. And uh, so that the families have something to see. And they were willing to do that. Uh, we went, we were able to do that at two out of our three facilities that we checked out. The third one had just gone on lockdown and we were not even able to enter the building, not even into the lobby. So uh, I guess the good news for all of this is that my firm, Senior Care Consulting, we can still help you even with these very difficult restrictions. And these things won't go on forever. I think they'll go on for two or three months, and then it's going to start loosening up a lot. But, uh, but we're, we're in a tough time here for the next near, near term here, in the next two or three months at least, I think. So, uh, so uh, I guess the good news with my firm, Senior Care Consulting, we have changed our process so that we can still help you okay so every time we work with our clients when we're on our tours and we can't do them now we can't even enter the building but when we're on our tours i personally conduct a 97 point inspection and performance audit I ask questions that, frankly, most people would never, ever in their lifetime even know to ask them. Or if they did, they may feel uncomfortable asking them. Uh, I calculate exact staffing ratios. I report a wealth of information about the facilities. Uh, and, and then what we're going to do is we're going to Skype or FaceTime uh, uh, an individual in the community uh, and talk to them so the family can meet them over video. And we're getting the job done, folks. So don't despair if if you and your family need to find an assisted living or a nursing home or memory care, call me at Senior Care Consulting. We can still help you. 913-945-2800. 913-945-2800. You could also visit us online at SeniorCareConsulting.com. All right. I want to end today on a positive note. There is hope out there. Trust me, there is hope. Please don't despair. This is only a temporary situation, and we will be stronger and better than ever after all of this goes away, and it will go away. Uh, I I love some quotes from Nelson Mandela. When people are determined, they can overcome anything. And guess what? We are determined, and we will overcome this. He also said, courage is not the absence of fear, but courage will triumph 
over fear. And there's no doubt about it. Then the, maybe the most famous quote of all from March 4th of 1933, FDR said famously, the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And amen to that. Uh, and, and so I've got one more quote to share with you today. Do not fear, but have hope. The choice is yours. You know who said that one? Steve Keeker. I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. I'll see you next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.